0: evening uh, my name is freddie hogan i'm one of the new ministry assistants here at chalmers and we're reading from revelation chapter 11 which will be in your service sheet um starting from where it's underlined just after the 11 if you're watching online um, do click the little arrow and there'll be a link to the same service sheet we're using here um, in the building and again we're starting from revelation chapter 11 you can look that up in a Bible you've brought as well Revelation chapter 11 then I was given a measuring rod like a staff and I was told rise and measure the temple of God, and the altar and those who worship there but do not measure the court outside the temple leave that out for it is given over to the nations and they will trample the holy city for 42 months And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone would harm them, fire pours from their mouth and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he is doomed to be killed." They have the power to shut the sky that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying and they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. And when they have finished their testimony the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city that is symbolically is called Sodom and Egypt, where their Lord was crucified. For three and a half days, some from the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents because these two prophets had been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. But after the three and a half days, a breath of life from God entered them, and they stood up on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here! And they went up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies watched them. And at that hour there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake and the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe has passed. Behold, the third woe is soon to come. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, And for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened. And the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. There were flashes of lightning. Rumblings. Peals of thunder. An earthquake. And heavy hail.
1: Thank you Freddie. Well let's pray as we come to God's word together. Our Father, we thank you for this revelation from Jesus Christ to his church, given through his Apostle John, a revelation that tells us what is really going on. As we look with the eyes of faith and with the instruction of your word, help us, Lord, to listen, help us to be encouraged, for this is a passage for our encouragement, And help us to be galvanised, to go out as witnesses of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus with a confidence of all that this vision says as we do so. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. thank you uh, Laura and Freddie and Jay for leading us now the service sheet contains that reading plus a little more from this section of Revelation and also the single sheet inside the service sheets gives you an outline of what we are going to look at with the sermon notes as the title um, at the top Now, the book of Revelation, as I prayed, is from Jesus to his church to encourage the church at all times in history, but to encourage the church in its witness and Christians in times in history that are perhaps particularly uh, difficult or in places in the world where witness is difficult. And uh, the section we're in is chapters 8-8 through 11 chapters 8 and 9 you'll see the heading there on the sheet describes a world under judgment where the destructive forces of evil are powerful and it would be uh, great if you could go back perhaps if you're new in the series in Revelation and listen to the talk on these verses that uh, gives us the context for the encouraging visions that come next So in a world under judgment, where the destructive forces of evil are powerful, that's followed by two chapters, 10 and 11, where we get a very powerful vision to encourage us in our witness. Last Sunday evening, we looked at chapter 10, and we saw in chapter 10 two things. Firstly, uh, a vision of a mighty angel, an angel whose Feet straddle the earth. An angel that looks like Jesus, that reminds us of Jesus. It might be the angel Gabriel or Michael, but a mighty angel empowering us behind us at our back. And then secondly, we saw a little scroll, which is the message of the gospel. And John, the writer of Revelation, And all Christians and all churches throughout history are to take and to eat and to proclaim that message that is the gospel. To take it, to take it actively in our time and in our generation. To eat it, consume it so much that it consumes us and then to proclaim it in our time, in our generation, locally, nationally, globally, as part of the Great Commission, Christ gave to his church until the day he returns. So that's where we are in Revelation. And we're in the second half of this encouraging vision, chapter 11. Now, the first thing we learn in chapter 11 is... A promise of protection. A promise of protection to all true churches throughout history. A promise of protection to all true believers throughout history. Now, I use the phrase true churches and true believers, not in relation to a particular badge on the church door or anything like that. A true church is a church that holds fast to the gospel in the Bible. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins. To be saved from the eternal wrath of God to come. That's the gospel at its heart. A true church, a true believer, is someone who holds to that gospel and to the word of God where that gospel is, who lives under its authority, under the lordship of Christ whose word it is. And to the true church... Local churches, all over the world, whether in Scotland or Mali or East Asia, and to Christians who are true to the gospel, Revelation chapter 11, verses 1 to 2: In your witness, you are safe, sealed, protected, and nothing, nothing can ultimately harm you let's read verses one and two then I was given a measuring rod like a staff and I was told rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there but do not measure the court outside the temple leave that out for it is given over to the nations and they will trample the holy city for 42 months John is told to take a measuring rod and to measure the temple. He's to measure the inner part of the temple, the holy of holies, where the ark of the covenant containing the law of God is kept. He is not to measure the outer part of the temple, the outer court, which was, before Jesus came, the court of the Gentiles or the nations. And in the new covenant that we celebrate when we gather around the Lord's table later on in the service, in the new covenant, the division between Jew and Gentile is removed. And all believing people, all those who believe in the gospel, whether Jew and Gentile are one in Christ, and they are in the inside part of the temple, if you like. But in the new covenant, the temple is not a building. It is the people of God. The people of God are the temple of God. And so this vision in Revelation 11, 1 and 2 is talking about the people of God, the true church of God. And John is told you are to measure the true church of God, which is the sum of all living local churches throughout history. And you are also to measure or count those who worship there. Measure and count. Now, the point of this vision is that the people of God, the true church of God, the true living churches in the world and today and throughout history are protected. It's not that you've got a mighty angel behind you or that you have a message to proclaim that is the message that saves humanity. You have the protection
2: the mark the seal of
1: God on you. Now how do we know that measuring means protecting? Well, I could take you to the Old Testament if we had time, Ezekiel chapters 40 to 48, you could look at that. Or elsewhere in the book of Revelation. Numbers like 144,000 in chapter 7, a vast multitude. A vast number, but an exact number known to God. Sealing, the seals in chapter uh, 7 or chapter 9. Believers are sealed, marked. Sealing, measuring, counting are all ways of expressing God's protection. And what are God's people protected from? What are you protected from in your witness? What are living churches protected from in their witness? What are J&R, now, the reason we call them J&R is because of where they are. We're online. What are JNR protected from and the work they are engaged in? What are CU's on campuses protected from? See, they're protected for witness, but what are they protected from? From the world. And the opposition to God and his people. God's people live in a world that is hostile to him and his people. That is the normal pattern. Yes, there are periods in history and parts of the world where the culture and the unbelieving world is not hostile to God and his people, like where we have been in this country for hundreds of years. But that's the exception, not the norm. The norm throughout history and in the world, and increasingly the norm in our part of the world, is opposition to God and his people and their witness. Opposition in all contexts. Schools, universities, for example. Workplaces, culture, society. And that's what John is being told in this vision. He's being told outside the temple, Leave that out from your measurements, for it is given over to the nations and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. The point is that the opposition is strong, it is close, it is felt by the people of God. Who opposes the true people of God? The world and also the worldly church. It's quite a sobering thing to think about. The worldly church... Churches that step away from the gospel. And we must never presume that we won't or can't. Churches that step away from the gospel and the word of God oppose churches that stick with the gospel and the word of God. And there are countless examples throughout history of local churches or groups of local churches holding to the true gospel and the word of God or see holding to the true gospel and the word of God, opposed not just by the world, but by the worldly church. I think we can all identify with that, the increasing sense in our culture of being out of step, being opposed, the gospel being rejected, whether in public life, private life, or in our witness, and so on and so forth. That's why we need Revelation. You've got a mighty angel at your back. You've got the message that says humanity in your hearts. And you have a seal God's protection. What does protection mean? Protection does not mean that you are taken out of the world. We live in the world Monday through Saturday. We come out of it, I guess, sometimes on a Sunday. Protection means we are protected in the world. J&R are not protected by being taken out of the world because they are in the world to witness. They are protected in the world in their witness. And ultimately, whatever happens to a Christian or a Christian church, they are sealed safe, secure, protected. Even if people lose their lives for Jesus as they do, they are raised to be with him. Here's an illustration that might help us. We are on the title deeds of the new creation. If you have ever seen title deeds, they are covered in measurements they are precise, every detail noted. And so it is with us and our God, every detail is known, every day of our lives, every ministry that Chamers is involved in, every mission of every CU, every Christian in it, all over the world, in all the languages of the world. JNR where they are, and M and C and JNR, another JNR in another part of the world, in East Asia. Marked, safe, secure, watched over, protected. As a student in your flat, in your hall, marked, safe, secure, watched over, protected, sealed. Known by God. He knows you are there. And you are his witness. Now what does this mean for a local church? or us as individuals, when I get to speak to, and it's striking that uh, uh, our mission partners were prayed for tonight. A message like this, when you are in a place like that, when, as John says, literally, those who oppose the gospel are trampling in the city all around you, just means
2: everything to you.
1: when they plant new churches in regions of Mali where extremist terrorism is a threat. A vision like this in Revelation that you are safe and sealed means everything. There's a strange paradox, but I think this is largely true. The harder it is, it seems, to be a witness for Jesus, the more fervent the witness often is. Very often, in parts of the world where you cannot tell the people, the gospel that local churches and Christians are the most galvanized to do so, and in parts of the world where there is freedom, we don't, and as we move in this part of the world from unlimited freedom to tighter restrictions, and we're in a world of restrictions at the moment. Here we all are with masks, as Christians. We are facing more restrictions. It's not as easy. But do not doubt that these restrictions in our culture and in our lives will do anything other to true churches and true Christians than galvanize their witness. And there may come a day, perhaps not too far away, For a church like Chalmers or gospel churches in the city or CU's, when the threats come, when our witness is opposed and threatened, we will turn to these promises in Revelation and they will be to us like precious gold. And is it not the case that they are already becoming more and more precious? Both Sam, who leads a church plant from Chalmers called Redeemer, and Andy, Andy, uh, who was here for a number of years, he leads a church plant in Charleston, in Dundee, Redeemer and Charleston, two churches in opposite poles of our culture, close to our hearts, very different, both fragile. Sam and Andy, this week on the phone, were both upbeat, but aware of the fragility of these churches in their early days.
2: But because they are true to the gospel, they have a seal on them, God will keep them safe.
1: You know, in the middle of all that's going on in our world at the moment, our lives, many of us, are taken up with the latest briefing, the latest set of regulations. What do we make of this, that, and the other? And we begin to to, to shudder and panic a bit. I certainly do, and it's just wonderful to hear tonight from God's word. You have a seal on you. I know that you are there in that city as my witnesses.
2: You have a seal on you.
1: Last detail before we move on. The nations will trample the holy city for 42 months. Over the next few weeks in Revelation, we're going to come across the number 42. 42. The number 1,260, which is 42 times 30, the same number. 1260 days is 42 months. Or uh, three and a half years, sometimes referred to in Revelation as time, times, and half a time. Time, one year, times, two years, half a time, three and a half years. Now, that's just apocalyptic language. It means a defined set period of time. God sets time. There's a big philosophical question. But God sets time. God sets all time and all times. The opposition to God and his people will be brought to an end at God's, no other person's appointed time. Now, let's move on to verses 3 to 14, which I've entitled the church's spirit-empowered witness in the world. Verses 3 and 4. Let's read. I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees, that's the witness, are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. Now, what's all that about? Notice first the reference to 1260 days. That is 42 months. It's the same time as the opposition to God and his people lasts. The simple point being made is that all through the period of opposition, when people are trampling at the city, at the doors of the church, all through that time, witnesses, witnessing is going on. I flip that coin. All the way through the time in history where witnessing is going on, there is opposition at the door. Why change from 42 months to 1,260 days? To confuse us, no. Well, one thing is the way apocalyptic literature works. Using different numbers or ways to make the same point. I wonder, though, if it's not just a simple and practical point being made. 42 sounds a lot shorter than 1,260. Witnessing to our mates, our friends, our neighbours, witnessing as churches and communities, particularly in tough times, witnessing as CUs and campuses, can feel like a long haul. The witnesses are clothed in sackcloth. Their message not only speaks about repentance for the forgiveness of sins, that is, the message itself is costly, but speaking the message is costly. Now, what is meant by the two witnesses? Who are they? Well, the answer is found first in the immediate context in Revelation. Who are the two witnesses? Verse 4 These are, or they are, the two witnesses, the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. That's a great answer to the question. Who are the two witnesses? You're waiting there for the simple answer. Well, there are two olive trees and two lampstands. Now, lampstands in Revelation is a giveaway. All through the early chapters in Revelation, lampstands mean churches. Churches that are lights in the world. And the olive oil from the olive trees is fuel for the lights, power for the lights. Now, John has in mind, and if you open up the service sheet, you'll see this passage. John has in mind here an important Old Testament prophecy from Zechariah. And I've printed that for us in the service sheets. Let's read it together. Zechariah chapter 4 verses 1 to 6. The reason I'm going to take you to this passage and read it is the way we understand what's going on in a book like Revelation is we don't turn to some big tome on the shelf. We turn to other parts of the Bible for understanding. It's all there. Let me read this for us. The angel who talked with me came again and woke me like a man who is awakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? I said, I see and behold, a lampstand all of gold with a bowl on top of it and seven lamps on it, with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. And I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? I said, no. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now you may know that verse, kind of verse you might text somebody. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. You probably didn't know it was from Zechariah chapter four. Zechariah is a prophecy. Just after the end of the exile, Zerubbabel is the governor in Jerusalem. He is responsible for rebuilding the temple. In this vision, in Zechariah, the lampstand refers or represents the temple, which in the Christian era for us now stands for Jesus and his people, the church. The olive tree supplies the oil for the lampstands of the temple. But here in this vision, Zechariah asks for more information about the olive trees. And he is told, Here is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, the governor in Jerusalem. This is what he needs to know. This is the word of the Lord. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, you can do nothing. You cannot build the temple, Zerubbabel, unless you have the power of the Spirit of God with you. And to the church. Today, you cannot build a temple which is the people of God. You cannot grow the church. You cannot see people converted in your mission on campuses and our universities, but by the might of the Spirit of God. That's what it's saying. And what John sees in Revelation is a reminder of how God will empower the church's witness. The olive trees represent the work of the Holy Spirit in the church. You see how John in his vision, or Jesus through John in his vision, is building our confidence as living local churches, as CU's, as Christians. Through all of the challenges and difficulties of living and witnessing as churches, as Christians in the world, God protects us and empowers our witness through the Holy Spirit. Or go back and embrace chapter 10. You have a mighty angel at your back. You have the saving message for humanity in your hearts. You have a seal of God on your heads. And you have the power of the Holy Spirit when you speak. Why are there two witnesses? Well, I think it just means Jesus Christ and his church. I think that's what's going on. Jesus Christ and his church. How powerful is the power of of the spirit that we have. Verse five, if anyone would harm them, fire pours from his mouth and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he is doomed to be killed. They have the power to shut the sky that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. Now there are allusions here to the days of Elijah and the days of Moses, when God and his power worked through them. Notice too in verses 5 to 6 that power is associated with speaking. Fire force from their mouth. No rain may fall during the days of their prophesying. The witness of the church, the witness of the people of God, speaking the gospel empowered by the Holy Spirit. But we don't Experience this kind of power, do we? We don't see this kind of power, do we? Now, never be fooled, and Revelation helps us with this. Never be fooled by analyzing stuff in the Christian life through the lens of how you analyze stuff in the world. We have a mighty angel at our backs, but we don't see him. We have the most precious saving message that humanity needs, but it feels weak and the world calls it foolishness. We have a seal, but it's not a physical mark on our heads. And the power of the Holy Spirit
2: is manifest in weakness. So don't look
1: in the wrong way. Now think of Chalmers Church. Don't we have this power at work? That's a good question to ask. We should be asking that question. Is the Holy Spirit empowering our witness? Well, over the last number of years, by God's grace, a number of people have gone out from this church into some of the toughest parts of the world.
2: That didn't happen because we raised the money or wrote a good reference. That was God.
1: Very often when we are in touch with them, they will say, we do not understand how we are still here. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. Chalmers is a new church, five or so years old. In some ways, Redeemer is a new church, barely a year old. Charleston up in Dundee is a new church. Lots of people being trained and sent out. None of it without difficulty or opposition. But is that not evidence of the power of the Spirit? We often conclude it's not because it
2: doesn't feel like it is. But what about our personal witness?
1: Still my anxiety in Chambers that that is not really our heartbeat yet. Our personal evangelism, a sort of liberty and an openness and a spontaneity in it, looking for every opportunity and taking the plunge and just speaking about Jesus.
2: I wonder if we will never fully know
1: what the empowerment of the Holy Spirit means until we tip over the edge in our lives. And spontaneously and naturally and habitually
2: speak about Jesus.
1: Verses 7 to 13 are sobering verses. I'll not read them, time is against us. They describe how the testimony of the witnesses, when it comes to an end, they are killed by the beast of the bottomless pit. But after three and a half days, the breath of life entered the witnesses again and they stood up on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. What is being described here is the killing of the witnesses. Who is responsible? Satan, the beast of the bottomless pit. There is rejoicing. I mean, there is rejoicing in parts of the world where uh, the church's witness seems to be conquered. Some of you uh, may have uh, read uh, that in the 1950s in China, when uh, Chairman Mao eradicated to all uh, human uh, uh, estimates the gospel in China, his wife, Madam Mao, claimed that Christianity is gone from China. And yet it rises. The victory of the beast lasts only three and a half days. That's a short time.
2: Jesus' defeat
1: as it looked to the world at Calvary lasted three and a half days but he was raised. And this killing and rising of the witnesses is a picture of what happens all of the time in history. The church Leaguer then rises again some gospel witness in some university down to virtually nothing and then it rises again and maybe in that decline a church is recovering the true gospel I have a newspaper cutting in my study which talks about the decline of the church in Scotland the headline reads the whisper that was once the strongest voice yes the church is dying in Scotland in many ways But it's the infrastructure, it's the buildings that are dying, and a dawn is breaking, it is rising again. There are more church plants than there have been in centuries. Or a century, at least. Revelation gives us in pictorial form what Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then the seventh trumpet sounds marking the return of Jesus the seventh angel verse 15 blew his trumpet there were loud voices in heaven saying the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever and the 24 elders who sit on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God saying we give thanks to you Lord God Almighty Who is and who was? For you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came and the time for the dead to be judged. That's Psalm 2 being fulfilled that we read at the beginning. And notice at the second half of verse 18, the reward for your servants, the prophets and saints and those who fear your name, both small and great. And we are all in the small category. But there we are. Being rewarded for our witness. And so we conclude Revelation chapters 8 to 11. In a world under judgment where the destructive forces of evil are powerful, we are all called to be His witnesses, to tell the gospel. We find ourselves in a day of new things. Churches beginning to meet again physically. The new normal, which is, I suspect, going to go on for some time. But not being able to meet for some time has given us the chance to think and reflect. Many of you are here at university for the first time. We all face a new year with the opportunity to witness Jesus is coming. We are called to tell the gospel. We do not feel great, we feel small. The commission is to every Christian. But the encouragement of these visions in chapters 10 and 11, let me summarise as we close. You've got seven wonderful things going for you. Number one,
2: you have a mighty angel at your back. You can't see him, but he's there. Don't
1: look with your eyes or feel with your senses, trust in God's revelation. One, you have a mighty angel at your back. Two, you have the message that saves humanity from eternal wrath. No one else has it. And with that, you have a commission. Number three, you have the promise of protection. Number four, you have the Spirit of God empowering your witness. Number five, you have the promise that the church will never die Number 5B, I thought of 8. You have the promise that when the church or the CU looks like it is dying, it will burst into flames again. Number 6, you have the assurance that God is sovereign over all things. Your testimony is marked out by the day. And the opposition is marked out by the day. And number seven, you know that one day, and it might be soon, the Lord Jesus is coming back. And the age of grace, the age of opportunity to respond to the gospel will be at an end. And so the commission to the church and to see and to Christians as we come out of lockdown, is to proclaim the gospel until the Lord Jesus comes again. Perhaps with fresh zeal and heart. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this powerful vision and revelation. We pray that it will indeed encourage us not least as we come to the Lord's table and reflect on the death of Jesus Christ the very heart of the message that we are to proclaim the message that has saved us from our sins and the wrath to come for Jesus' sake Amen